John chapter 17, if you would take your Bible, join us tonight, John chapter number 17. Okay, I'm going to suspect that you do this, and, and in all transparency, we do this in our home, okay? So we do this, and I suspect that you probably do as well. Um, how many of you, um, I don't know, you pick up some things that you wouldn't normally pick up if you know someone's coming over, okay? Do you do that? Or do you just say, hey, this is how we are, so they're just going to see us how we are. I mean, do you just, like, do you pick up some things if you know folks are coming over, yes or no? Well, we do, just in case you're wondering. We, we usually straighten some things up. Now, my wife is, is she loves like a, not a perfect feel, but she has this really perfect house. Like she likes things orderly and, and together, and I do too. But when people are coming over, sometimes I'm like, oh, we have to do She says, no, 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 we live here, you know. We do live here. So, you know, you, you can have a house that looks lived in, but we still kind of pick things up and we straighten things up. So, so, like if you know people are coming over, you do certain things. Have you ever been surprised when someone just drops by? Like, oh, oh. One minute, you know, you want to you go create this little tornado in your house to take care of things because it is not quite as orderly. But isn't that how houses are? Aren't houses intended to be lived in, right? It's not necessarily the showroom and, and it's not necessarily, okay, again, it's just us tonight. So how many of you ever watch these these home shows where they go in and they just completely redo this old wreck of a house and then this person's going to walk in and you look at that place and it's like what a home how many of you watch any of those kind of home remodel shows right lots of you do okay so so do you ever in your own mind do you ever wonder I wonder what it's going to look like in a week okay have you ever had that thought before? Because you see, you know, they've got, oh, they've got 12 children, you know, and they're walking in and, and they have everything so perfectly ordered. It's like, where do you put stuff for life? Like the counter has, has muffins on the counter and a bowl of fruit, okay? But where's all the other stuff that actually goes on a counter? You know what I'm saying? And where is all the, the life that happens through the course of a home? Houses get kind of... For lack of a better term, houses get kind of messy because they are lived in. And I suspect that's, that's kind of normal. That houses are built to be lived in. Not long after we were in Colorado, when the Lord moved us from Pensacola and we went to Colorado, we, we, we understood that it was going to be necessary in the not too distant future to build a new building. And so we started the process of, of raising funds and then drawing up plans and going through all the work with the city, which was a lot of work to, to make it happen. And finally, all of those things came to fruition and we had our first service in the new building. Do you ever get a little, I don't know, OCD, a little over-concerned about the fact that someone might ding up something that's brand new? like it's brand new. And uh, you know, you don't want the brand new thing to actually get used because it's brand new. And I, I actually preached a message, maybe our second Sunday in that new facility 
that was what to do and what not to do with a new building. And you know, one of the things that we had to come to terms with is we had this beautiful new building, but it was built for people. And it was built for, for lots of different uses and lots of different groups were going to be in there and lots of different people and, and, and people of all different ages and using it for all different kinds of things. And, and through the natural course of use, oh, we worked hard to, to care for and, and I think successfully so a building. But you can't help but understand that every once in a while there's going to be some, some dings on the wall and there's going to be some, some worn out areas and there's going to be need for some new paint and there's going to be stuff that gets left out and, and knocked around and just kind of gouged up because that is the reality of life. When we start to live in places, sometimes things actually do, they, they get messy. Do you know, I, I think that over the course of some time, something happened in, in at least church that I grew up familiar with. And, and I'm, not, I'm not saying that, that this is the only thing that we did, but, but I became kind of comfortable with this understanding that things weren't supposed to get too messy in church. Like, let's, let's kind of circle the wagons, so to speak, because we can't let anything happen in church that might, might I don't know, kind of get messy. And so we, we have to, to isolate ourselves in such a way that we can't rub shoulders with that which, which might, I don't know, might might get a little bit messy. And I'm kind of comfortable with that, quite honestly. I'm, I'm fairly comfortable with it. Because I know, you know, th th this is my group. These are my people. Th this is what I'm ac accustomed to. And this is what I've grown up with. And, and I don't have to worry so much about the unknown I don't know, mess that sometimes happens when, when people start living life in ways that, that people do live lives. When we start to think about the culture that we live in, I find that the church has always been positioned to meet the culture wherever the culture is. And here in the United States, we have had historically the privilege of having a culture that knew its starting point. It really is one of the wonders of our government because our government began with this recognition that there is a moral hub and the only way you can have a moral hub is you if you have a moral God. Morality has to exist from some absolute beyond yourself because people change, but truth doesn't. And if truth is going to be the same for all people and all places and all times, it has to come from a higher source. And we have that wonderful historical privilege of, of a nation that was founded with a knowledge that there is a moral center and that moral center is God. And, and our churches have prospered and benefited from that. But that's not always, that's been our culture, our history, but that's not been the history of the world. And certainly it wasn't the history of the world that Jesus entered into. 
It wasn't the history of the cultures that the apostle Paul ministered to. It hasn't been the history of peoples at any given time, at any given place, literally all around the world. There have been cultures that have and remain cultures that have taken this position that is so opposed to truth. They've just kind of created their own. And, and we're not so far from that culture today. We ourselves live in this world here in our own country that no longer recognizes a moral center. Now, since we've shifted off from that, man's become the moral center and now anything goes. And quite frankly, you and I can understand that culture now gets really messy. So what should we do? Because remember, the the church is this vehicle by which Christ is seen at, at any place, at any time, through any culture. It's this ongoing, eternal group. Because at the end of Ephesians, we understand end of Ephesians chapter three, we understand that the church is the means by which Jesus will receive glory, world without end. So this is not just a passing, fleeting institution. This is an eternal group that's going to praise Jesus Christ throughout all of eternity. So what? we do right now while we have no as our own culture here here in our own place what do we do do we kind of like man let's let's um let's circle the wagons even more closely because if we go out into this culture who knows what's going to happen and 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 hey listen and this is the truth please know i am i am not diminishing this in the least I mean, they're after our children, right? Is there a systematized uh, a plan for indoctrination of children today? And the answer is clearly yes. So, wow, man, maybe, maybe we better just tighten up a little bit and, and maybe we better just kind of, I don't know, kind of close in because we're good with truth. We know the source of truth. We know the one who is truth. So maybe we should just kind of, I don't know, kind of tighten up a bit. I was, I was, um, I was knocking on doors and I knocked on a door and um, a gentleman came to the door and, and we had had uh, addresses for n- new move-ins people that had newly moved into areas. And so, so we came up with this plan. And, and um, so I went to, to a new address, knocked on the door and, and said, hey, I, I, uh, we have a list quite honestly. And, and uh, we learned that, that you just moved into this home. Is that correct? And he looked at me and says, no, I've been here for like 15 years. He said, well, it's not a very good list. Okay? <laughs> and uh, so I said, but, but listen, whether you just moved in or not, um, I'm here to, to one, I'm wondering if you have a church that you attend. Because, you know, if people are new, sometimes they haven't yet found one. But, but since you've been here for a while, do you have a church that you attend? He says, no, I don't really go to church. I said, okay. I said, well, listen, I'd like to invite you to ours. And as soon as I said that, he said, well, you don't want me at your church. This was a beautiful home. The man presented himself quite well. And he said, let me just tell you, you don't want me at your church. And I know that. And I said, well, I can, I can tell you quite frankly that, that I would love to have you come visit our church. And he said, well, um, let me just tell you, you are not going to agree with my lifestyle. 
so you do not want me at your church. And I said, well, just so you know, I'm the pastor of the church. And, and we do want you to come to church. Uh, would you mind if I bring my partner too? And I said, that'd be wonderful. So you're invited to come to church. Whew, wow. See, that could, that could get a little messy. It probably could. But does, does the Bible have answers for people who are lost regarding their moral center? In fact, does the Bible offer, this isn't our primary purpose, but it's one of the residual things. Does the Bible offer fulfillment that cannot be found until a person is actually complete in Christ? And the one who instills mankind with identity becomes a person's first identity. Doesn't the church have answers for this? And and you and I know that the answer is yes. So how are we to react to the world? Like when the unmarried couple moves in next door to to you and, um, and they're not married and they have children. Do we, do we tell our children, now, now you don't play with those children? Or, or do we have them into our home? Or do we even dare take them a, 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 a plate of cookies and say, hey, th- this is from us, we're your neighbors. And we just wanted to say, welcome to the neighborhood. Or do we, do we start to step back a little bit and know like, man, whew, I can't wait to get to church because those are my people. And I'm comfortable with, with my people. I think there is something healthy about being comfortable with, with my people. I, I think there's something healthy about that. But maybe we have so promoted the idea, held fast to the idea of, of being comfortable with my people that we may have lost some of the focus of the gospel and the commission with which we have been left. We're not talking about changing, so to speak, the the church as, as God has given us our pattern, but maybe refocusing our attention on that which God has left for us as his pattern. Your Bibles are open right now to John chapter 17. This is part of this, this beautiful um, section in scripture where Christ is soon to be on the cross. And in John chapter 17, we have this, this wonderful prayer. Have you ever listened to someone, been with someone before when they prayed and you knew who they were talking to? And I'm not talking about the, the people that were listening to the prayer. But when you listen to them pray, you knew that they were talking to one that we pray to. Clearly, without any doubt, this is what Jesus is doing. He is talking to his father. We don't have a time or opportunity tonight to look at this passage in its fullness or even the, the whole conversation that Jesus had previously preparing his disciples for his departure. But this is the prayer that Jesus offers as he is preparing them for his departure. Let's start down in verse number 11. John chapter 17, beginning in verse number 11. And now, 
I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to thee. Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be as one, as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them is lost, but the son of perdition, that the scriptures might be fulfilled. And now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. What a wonderful thought. His joy fulfilled in us. Verse 14, I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not, this was not his prayer, I pray not that thou shouldst take them out of the world, but that thou shouldst keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also might be sanctified through the truth. For the next some weeks, I I haven't come up with a better title than this. We're, We're simply going to talk about what we'll call messy church. Now, I did a little search on that, and I found out that in the the country of Canada, there's actually a church movement. I mean, it's like an organization, a denomination called Messy Church. So we're not trying to to, um, hone in on the Canadian name, but that is the, the best I could come up with, with what is it that we're addressing when we're talking about what is it that, that relationships beyond the walls of our church, oftentimes bring to our church. And that is what what we're calling messy church. What does that look like for people like you and me? What is it that we have to understand before we get too far into the weeds with this? What is it that we are and are not saying? And what is it that we can derive from Jesus' prayer regarding those that he is leaving in the world? Because he's about to depart. He's not going to be here. He says, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving here, but there are those that are staying. And Father, I'm not asking you to take them now at this time out of the world. That means that while Jesus was here, he knew he had a job to do. Jesus is by clear implication saying, listen, their job's not done in the world. So here's how I am praying. What are some understandings for us with with the fact that God has left us here in, in this year for this time? What are the implications for us? Well, the first thing that I would understand is that we are to be separated, but not isolated. Separated, but not isolated. Now again, I'm a little bit more comfortable with uh, being, I don't know, isolated with my people, 
Okay, I'm, I'm a little more comfortable with, with settings and situations with which I am familiar with people who speak the same language. How many of you have ever heard a politician try to address a religious crowd in ways that you heard them say things like they have no clue what they're saying? Have you ever heard them before and they, they will, will say different things and, and allude to different things and you say, oh, you should not have tried that one, okay? Well, I'm comfortable with people who speak my language, who, who know what to say and what not to say, what, what you're not supposed to even acknowledge, even if everybody knows. I like the comfort of, of this almost sense of isolation, but that's not what Jesus is saying to those that he is leaving in the world. He is saying that his children left here that those that claim Jesus Christ, that, that he has kept and lost none of them. He prays for them and he later prays for those that are still to come, those that will still yet believe on him. He's praying for you then and he's praying for me. We're some of those yet to. What is he asking? You know, in verse number 15 again, he says, I pray not that thou shouldst take them out of the world, but that thou should keep them from the evil. We, we might better understand this when we think about being insulated, but not isolated. There is something that I'm supposed to be able to go out to, but something that's not supposed to, in a sense, come and penetrate, get into, inside, under my skin, into my thinking, into my life, me. So I can go out without that coming in. S separated from that. No, 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 that's not me but not isolated. Oh, I, I can't go out and have anything to do with. He's, he's saying there's still work to be done. In our, in our neighborhood right now, I've been fascinated with a house that is being built on what used to be an empty lot. And really it's, it's fascinating. And I, I've been watching its progress go up and, and studying the whole thing. First of all, this was interesting to me that the house has a basement. I mean, there are no basements in Florida, right? Unless you want an indoor pool. So there's just no basements in Florida. So I'm really intrigued. Like, wow, they're putting a basement in this house? And then I start watching and studying this house go up. And I'm watching and they're placing, they're making these foam, um, uh, I don't know, foam forms. It's these styrofoam forms. It's all the, this wall of styrofoam and then another wall of styrofoam together. And then what they're going to do is they're going to pour concrete into this styrofoam and form the walls of this house. It's quite fascinating. The techniques that they're using, the methods that they're using to, to tie these styrofoam foam uh, uh, forms together. And, and then they're about to, you know, the, the windows are there and all of the things that you'd see in a normal stick built house. But this is a foam form, going to be concrete poured house. And you know, the insulation on this house is going to be amazing. It's really going to be remarkable. I mean, I mean, to keep that house warm when it's cold outside, wow, it's going, to, it's going to retain its heat because it's so well insulated. To keep that house cool when occasionally, I don't know if you've noticed lately, we have warm weather in Florida. Hi, yeah, yeah. You know, you know, to keep that house cool when it's really hot outside, oh, it is going to be so well insulated. Do you know really what Jesus, I believe, is asking the Father is to keep his children 
in such a state that they are these walking about really well insulated people. That, that their temperature, so to speak, is set internally, not externally. That they have something inside of them that actually protects them from the outside of them. And so they're going about the world representing Jesus Christ in such a way that they're, they're the, the, the thermostat, so to speak, internally, rather than a thermometer that just modifies itself as to wherever the world is, that's where I set myself. So please know what we are not saying about what the, the, the task that God has before us at Campus Church is not that, hey, let's read the temperature of the culture today. That's not what we're saying. But we, what we are saying is we are not supposed to be isolated from the world, but we are to be separated from the world, from its thinking, from its practice, from its doing but not, not so isolated, not so separated from the world that we're isolated from impacting and influencing the world. It makes us nervous. Like, wow, what, what, but what would that look like? If I actually form relationships with people who the Bible says are sinners, and how would you define the worst of sinners? What comes to your mind when you think of the worst of sinners? What, what comes to your mind? What, what would make you, what sin would make you the most uncomfortable? Does, does it include them? That we're actually supposed to, to have relationships with, you fill in the blank, with them? Or, or does it exclude that segment of the population is the gospel for all mankind for all sinners for all men everywhere or is it for like cleaned up sinners or sinners that we might be a little bit more comfortable with it does and again it it, it kind of makes us nervous and we've used analogies like this for example we've said hey listen if you go play in the pig pen the pig pen's going to make you dirty you're not going to make the pig pen clean right so we better just stay out of, because it's a pig pen, isn't it? The world is a, a filthy place. So with that analogy, we better just stay, stay away from, we better isolate because the world is a dirty place. But I find that that's not really, all analogies at some point, because they're just pictures, they're just illustrations, all analogies at some level, some way, shape or form, they fall down. They fall apart because they're just supposed to be illustrations or pictures. But I find it interesting that that's not necessarily the illustration that the Lord uses scripturally. Do you know the illustration that he uses to help us that I think fits better with what he's talking about is he talks about light and darkness, light and darkness. So let me ask you this. Does light positively impact its surroundings or does darkness negatively impact the light? 
Doesn't he use light and darkness and you are the light of the world and a city that's set on a hill cannot be hid? Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father which is in heaven. Doesn't Jesus say himself, I am the light of the world. He, he that walketh in darkness, he stumbles. But Jesus came to provide for mankind who's walking in spiritual blindness light so that they might see. And at times we're like, no, 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 I, I can't go do that because... Oh man, I, I don't want to get in that pig pen and get dirty. No, 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 no. You're going into a dark place with the brilliant light of the gospel to show light to those who walk in darkness. That's the illustration that all throughout scripture we find. So I, I don't know that we should be so concerned about the fact that, whoa, well, we, we might get dirty in that pig pen. I think what we should rather understand is, hey, I have been given light to shine upon those who are walking in darkness. You say, well, well, what if we get dirty? In this same discourse, just prior to this, Jesus does something that again is one of those, who does that, you know, moments. And they had come and they're about to observe the Passover and and, and they're all, you know, they're, they're, they're seated in a unique fashion. And, um, and Jesus goes off to the corner and he, and he takes off that robe and he girds himself with a towel. And then Jesus goes and he washes the disciples' feet. Now he does so, I think, for, for multiple reasons. First of all, it was appropriate culturally to do. Culturally. That's interesting. There are some cultural things that are certainly appropriate. How many of you have ever had a guest... In, in, you know, you've gone to somebody else's home. How many of you have ever had someone say, okay, take off your shoes? Now, sometimes that happens, right? And then I'm going to wash your feet. Have you ever had that happen? Well, in our culture, it's not very common, okay? And if you, but if you come to my house, I'm actually not going to wash your feet, okay? It's not our culture, but there in their culture, that was common and understood. And so Jesus does. And, but it wasn't common for for the one who is to be this, the, the center of attention, the chief among them to go and wash their feet. And so he does so giving them this illustration that, that like I've done this to you, you should also be doing this to one another. And, but Peter provides us with another, an additional uh, uh, insight into the, to living, into life. And, and Peter says, no, 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 not my feet, Lord. No, no. No, you're not going to wash my feet. You shouldn't be washing anybody's feet. And I can't even believe, you know, by insinuation. I can't even believe that they allowed you to wash their feet. You're not washing mine, Jesus. You're too good for that. And Jesus says, no, 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 Peter. If I don't wash your feet, you're, you're, you're none of me. You're not mine. And Peter says, whoa, whoa, hang on a second. I didn't mean that. Okay, Lord, wash my whole body. And Jesus says, no, you don't have need of that just your feet and you know the picture is you know in 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 life in in ministry and serving man we're out and we're doing this and it's like wow I, I I got my feet dirty he says okay let's let's wash now you're you're already washed you're cleansed but but in your practice there are some things that need to be cleaned up so let's let's take care of that and do it on a regular basis and and come clean with me what does this look like separated come out from among them and be ye separate 
clean, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing. Separate. What fellowship? What concord? What communion? Separate. But not isolated. Where else does this take us? We won't have time at this speed to cover all these in depth, but but let's finish walking through this. Involved but not infiltrated. Involved but not infiltrated. Look at verse number 16, John chapter 17, verse number 16. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Clearly, we are not to be like the world to reach the world. But does that mean we're not to do anything with the world? Now let's again, let's not use just our own conclusions because that could get us into trouble. So let's use an example. Let's say, okay, if, if Jesus left himself leaving for us an example, okay, if he left himself as the example, what is it that Jesus did in the world? I love how in Acts chapter 10, the the truths of Christ were being preached. And in verse number 38, listen to what is said regarding Jesus. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. Now pause right there. Has God anointed his children with anything less? But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me. Okay, so, so wow, we, so far, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. We, we've been given the same thing that Jesus was given. And now let's look and see, what does he do with this? Again, John 10, 38. Anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Wow, Jesus, this one with the Holy Ghost and with power went about doing good. That that means wherever he went, he's going about doing good. I mean, when, when, when they would be in the marketplace, when they're walking by the way, when they're, when they're passing people that are, that are just passing them on a road, when, when they're in someone's home, when someone comes rushing to him and he's unclean, wherever it is that Jesus goes, he just goes about and he's just doing good. What does this look like if we as followers of Jesus Christ are supposed to be these people who are separated but not isolated, what does that look like? Well, we're involved but not infiltrated. Well, how do we get involved? Well, what did Jesus do? Did the world in any way, shape or form infiltrate the thinking of Jesus? Not, not in the least. But did Jesus say, well, I better stay away from or did Jesus just through the normal I don't know, every day, ins and outs of life. What what was he doing? He's just going about doing good. Now, now I'm not asking you to raise your hand, but how many of you have ever heard a a person say, well, I'm telling you, I'd never go to that church because I know some of the people who go there. Have you ever heard something like that before? Like, you know, I had some interactions with a person from that church and I'm just telling you, 
If you want me to go to church, I'm not going there because that person did this and this and this and this. Uh, uh, yeah, they were a neighbor of mine for a while. And the way that neighbor treated my kids, I'm just, wouldn't it be something radically different if, if God's children, his bride, the bride of Christ, the, the body of Christ, if our, the body of Christ, campus church, if we just went about like doing good, wherever we were, just doing good. You know, we, we, we're just walking about. Um, last night, uh, Julie and I are walking around the block and, and uh, there was a lady that, that was, she was an older lady and, and she was trying to pack some boxes on the rack on top of her car. And so we're just walking by and, and I saw her up on this little stool and she's trying to pack this box. And I said, hey, hey, can, can I give you a hand with that? And she said, no, 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 I'm fine. This is the last one. I said, okay, okay. Do you know, it was just a little attempt at doing good. I was walking, oh, this was a little while ago, and and there was a guy that was trying to back up a trailer, get a trailer into his garage, and and he couldn't get it, and so he's trying, I'm watching, I'm kind of coming up, and I'm seeing him, and he's he's got all different kinds of things that he's trying, and and because that is such a steep, you know, um, a driveway, he just couldn't get this trailer pushed up into his garage, and and his little boy's out there, and it's just like, oh, that thing, if that just starts rolling, and so, man, I'm I'm like, hey, hold the dog, you know, to the kid, and I went up and I'm just pushing on the thing with the, da- you know, this, his, this boy's dad. And I'm pushing on the trailer. And finally we got the trailer up to, and he just looks at me and says, oh man, thank you so much. You know, I, I honestly, I didn't say, do you know if you were to die today? You know, if that trailer would have rolled over you, do you know? <laughs> I, I didn't do that. Sometimes it may be, please, please don't diminish the opportunity for the gospel. Don't diminish the opportunity for the gospel. But, but at times, it might be that we are in such a rush to get to the gospel that a person has no understanding of its veracity in our own lives. That very thing that we're trying to share with theirs. What is it that's this, this prevailing understanding of Jesus that, that no one, I mean, you think even about his trial, time and time and time and time again, there's nothing that sticks to Jesus. Why? Because wherever he went, he goes about doing good. You know, for, for us as believers to find creative ways to just go about doing good, Listen, I'm convinced that there's lots of good that needs to be done within the walls of any church, certainly ours. The, the good that took place when, when people came together tonight and, and a pianist came together and a soloist came together and, and music and worship took place, it's good. For, for people to stand at different locations throughout this building and, and usher and greet one another and, and, and welcome people and help and assist, it's good. For, for the work that took place, this might seem simple and, and, and almost like, oh, trifling, but for work to take place, even to provide a simple little gift for fathers or for mothers on Mother's Day, those, are, those things are good. For people to stand in our choir or in the orchestra and and play in such a way that it it transcends our soul, it is good. 
but, but it shouldn't exist only within the walls of campus church. We, we should be actively seeking to emulate the pattern of Jesus. And what is it that he, that he does with such power? He does these benevolent miracles. He, he heals the lame. He gives sight to the blind. He sets at liberty those who are captive to Satan and his forces. He, he treats a person with respect who had been known by their sin. He, he allows a woman of ill repute to sit at his feet. He's known as a friend of publicans and sinners. Someone even tries to lay the charge of Jesus that he's a wine-bibber, he's a drunkard like the people he hangs around. But such was clearly not the case. Jesus just went about doing good. I wonder who the Lord may providentially bring across our path and maybe in a meeting that's just a one and done. You're at the hospital and you're on an elevator and someone is clearly distraught. And you just look at them and say, hey, I don't know what you're going through, but could I pray for you? You're, you're at the store and a, and a mother has three children and one's running one way and one's running the other and, and the Captain Crunch has fallen all over the place and hey, 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 let me, let me get that for you. I mean, you're at the gas station and somebody's fumbling with something that they can't quite figure out because you can tell that they're not accustomed to that and, and I'm making up stories but their, their spouse always did that and they're not here anymore to do that. Can I help you? Don't you think that there are ample opportunities for those who know the truth and have been set free by the same to find opportunities to do good? And and by our actions, we are representing well the one who has left us here in the world on purpose. We we won't try to, to finish any more of this sermon tonight but things whenever we start to take the word of God and find ways to to live it things oftentimes can get a little messy by God's grace may he give us a church that is doing all that he's called us to do even when things get messy